Good morning. Welcome to the My Sterling Opinion podcast. I'm Reese Boland. Spinley Kane. Christian Jones. Chris Roberts. And um, today we'll be diving into a series of questions that um, include our opinion and um, also just other thoughts we had about the podcast we listened to. The podcast was The Sterling Affair. It was a 30 for 30 podcast by ESPN. And... Um, yeah, we'll just be answering a series of questions. So, um, I think the first thing we want to dive into is the use of the Freitag's Pyramid um, that was used to put this podcast into dramatic structure. I think, I, I, didn't, I haven't mentioned yet, but there was five episodes, and each one deals with like a different part of that, um, of that pyramid almost. It's almost perfectly set up for it. So, um, what I was going to say, my opinion about this... Um, the use of the Freitag pyramid is that each episode follows like a certain part. So you have episode one, I forget the exact name of it, but episode one pranks you. It starts at yeah, almost the end of the story. Yeah, it, it doesn't take place in chronological order. Um, this is what we call the exposition in the Freitag's pyramid. Um, it kind of is almost like a uh, serves as a prologue. And it not only captures the listener, but it keeps them interested and in wanting to learn more about Donald Sterling because uh, the point at which we go into the podcast is um, Donald is already having an affair with another woman and his current wife finds out. And it, it raises a bunch of questions, not, well, not only for me, yeah, not only for me, but for... The listeners, and that's the thing that I was really interested in and wanted to learn more about. So, um, Bentley, do you have any thoughts about either this first episode or another part of the Freitag Pyramid? Well, I don't have anything about the Freitag Pyramid, but before I listened to these podcasts, I didn't really know anything about Donald Sterling. You know, I'm not a big, huge basketball guy because I think the NBA has a lot of differences. I don't like watching them, but... Now I've really seen that owners can, I mean, money gets to people. I think this has really shown how money can get to people. And it's crazy because for someone who grew up in an area that wasn't so good, you'd think you'd be more accepting of everybody. So how do you think that plays into, like, the dramatic structure we have here? I'd say at the beginning you don't really know that he's, like, poor and stuff, but then as you go into, like, part two, which would be the rising action, you kind of learn more about, like, what his backstory is and, and, like, why he... There's no real justification for the things he did, but the dramatic structure, I think, is, like, definitely like, laid it out. It pulls you in. Yeah, I mean, it's just, exactly. It's like a really good story. It makes you want to keep listening. Mm-hmm. They, they almost start with the climax. So, Chris, in, in first podcast. Chris, what did you... You're saying for right now. What did you have to say about... Yeah, the Anything about the dramatic structure? The interesting thing about this podcast is that uh, the first one called uh, That Tape, they actually start off with the most, um, well, not necessarily the, the climax, but like the thing that happens right before the climax, the catalyst for the climax, and uh, where V. Stiviano is uh, is having an affair with Donald, and, and Shelly uh, meets them at um, a shop. And I think it's very interesting how they they actually start the podcast with, with the most... Uh, interesting plot instead of starting off you know uh, easing you into the story and I think it's a it's a very interesting uh, take to uh, 
to film a podcast that way, and um, I think it did it did a very good job of um, keeping keeping the listener intact. Uh, it kept you it kept you uh, involved in the story, and um, I think it is very interesting the relationship that they had, and um, that that Donald Donald was talking to another woman, and Shelley was completely open to it. And uh, Shelly just didn't, uh, she uh, was just completely fine with it. So, um, Fritex Pyramid did a very good job starting the climax. Um, so, Christian, like, another part of the dramatic structure is the climax. At what point would you say that our climax occurs? Like, what is, like, the big moment of this entire... Well, within episode one, I'd probably say the tape coming out. Because everybody was shocked, but like at the same time, everybody knew who the type of person he was, but they didn't think he could be recorded. And like everybody, like he knew he was being recorded himself. Right. He knew like these tapes were going on, that V was uh, recording all of this for his memory, is what she said. And she, she ended up using it against him, but everybody knew that what was going on. Yeah, so we see that uh, those tapes were released in episode one and then again in episode four, where I think they're explained in more detail. And we see, like, the full fallout, not only with him and his family, but, like, also with, like, the Clippers organization as a whole. And then I think... Well, yeah, I mean, get, get a load of yeah. this guy. He brings his mistress to the game of the team that he owns. Got all this stuff going on, but he brings her to games and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's the worst part. It's the most disrespectful part to right. Shelley. And then after that climax, we deal with the falling action, which would be the result of like the tapes coming out. So that'd be his uh, ban from the league, and then eventually his removed. Like they sold it. They sold the team and stuff. Uh, um. But. Um. So, yeah, I just think, like, it's just pretty interesting how this almost deals perfectly into the dramatic structure of the Freytag Pyramid, and I think there's a lot of good uh, literary devices in here as well. Right, so, I mean, I think we can all agree, Benley speaking, I think we can all agree that the uh, antagonist here is going to be Donald Sterling, right? Right. Yeah, um, if, I'll go first. Um, I think it's pretty obvious from episode one that this is Reese. We have a clear, we have a clear um, idea of who our protagonist and antagonist is. Like it almost comes out of the, be- you almost see at the beginning the split within the family. So, at the, at the beginning, it's almost as Shelley is pro- uh, portrayed as the protagonist and Donald is portrayed as the antagonist. But then as we move through the story, we kind of learn that Shelley may be more intertwined with things than we actually think. And that she may have had something to do with the antagonistic like features of the story, but then there's always just that overlying feature that, yeah, you know, Donald is really deep down. He's he's got mean thoughts. He's a bad guy, and he's obviously our antagonist. Chris, do you have anything to really say about it? Yeah, uh, without a doubt, Donald Storm is definitely the antagonist of the of the entire five uh, series podcast. Um, he, he's, he's portrayed very poor character as an owner. Um, even, even though he started off in a very poor background, uh, like Bentley's saying, you would think he'd be more humble. You'd think that he would have a better, uh, outlook on life itself. 
But um, he just, I don't know what happened between him leaving high school, uh, yeah, high school and to becoming uh, a successful person, but it just, it just soiled him. And um, he's, he's definitely an antagonist. He's done horrible things. Um, the NBA, uh, as an owner, definitely when he was owning properties and discrimination and all the lawsuits that were against him. So for him being the antagonist, it's a no-brainer. In terms of the protagonist, um, I would say the most clear option would definitely be Shelly. Although the line does kind of gray towards the end of the podcast, definitely with uh, the last couple episodes, uh, Not Fit and uh, Fallout, talking about how Shelly basically, uh, in order, she she was portrayed as a protagonist, but in that last episode, she basically just like disowned Donald. She took him out of the out of the out of the trust fund that they had together. She declared him uh, mentally not capable of holding that much money. So, in talking about a protagonist, you don't really think of a protagonist as someone that that would um, basically cut her own husband out of out of uh, I, money. Uh, I have I I think that you know Donald's going to be the main protagonist. I mean antagonist, but I mean I don't think Shelley was far off. Yeah. Because I don't think she was doing. She got her money. She wanted her money and her fair share, and because her and Donald have been married for so long, in the end, she's going to end up being with him so I think the real protagonists in this are going to be the the players the uh, players when they flip their jerseys inside out and the NBA for actually taking stand against what Donald does like showing him that he can't do whatever he wants I like that I like that mostly because within the first episode you see how Donald is is a cheater and Shelly Shelly knows about it his family knows about it because that um I think Christmas Day it was, uh, they had they had a dinner, and he went outside to talk to V, and they were having some heated conversation, and he came back in, and him and Shelly started getting going at it because of V and of all of this like behind the back type deal stuff, and even their son got in the middle of it, and he still didn't stop, and then a week later his son ended up killing himself because of all the family stuff, and he went to V instead of Shelly. Like, he didn't have any relationship with his wife for as long as they've been together. Like, he didn't want to be with her, but Shelly was still putting up with it, and then it just became so much after the son died that she just kicked him out, and it was just too much. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you say that because, like, they did have, like, a heated relationship, and she obviously sold the team out from underneath him, and that is, like, kind of, like, as a result of him being, like, a bad person, like, here, our antagonist, but I found it interesting how in the end, like, um, they were talking about how Shelly and Donald were basically, like, cool, like, the person, I forget her name, Ramona Shelburne, mm-hmm. uh, she was saying that when she went over to Shelly's house to interview her, that she had uh, flowers on the table from Donald, so, like, I don't understand, like, even after all the beef and stuff that they had, that they could still be okay with each other. I don't really understand, but anyway. So we're going to move on to our next question, which is um, what responsibility, if any, should the NBA have taken with the behavior of Donald Sterling? And then um, consider his time as an owner. Uh, Bentley, what do you want to lead off with this one? I mean, this is something that can be taken in any direction because 
I mean, the NBA is so big that they can either let it go because technically, I mean, it's in his his free time. But just like anybody who works for a big company, you represent that company and they represent you. So if Donald Sterling is the owner of the Clippers, he's going to represent the Clippers in a positive, negative way. And as we know, since the beginning, he has always been representing them in a negative way because of his ways of dealing with, like, um, rent and not allowing people to stay there even though they can pay rent just because of race and things like that and he's already been in trouble for. Or just buying equipment, period, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. Not buying, not treating players right. So, I mean, the NBA definitely has every right to take a stand against him. Um, I would say that um, the NBA definitely should have dealt with Donald in uh, his his early days and his latter. Um, I think I think more. Uh, it's one thing for Donald to make bad choices, but it's a completely other thing, new thing for uh, the NBA just to like almost dismiss it or turn the other way and just let him let him do his off the court stuff and then keep keep the ownership. I think um, the NBA should definitely have been. More involved in his off the court issues, and like Donald, uh, like Bentley said, that he's representing the NBA, he's representing the Clippers, and that um, he should really take more responsibility for his actions. And uh, the, the other interesting uh, thing, that point that I thought of, is that the NBA has had a um, had a long history of doing uh, dark stuff. Uh, another thing I think of is Showtime Lakers. You hear about Magic Johnson, the whole team was. It, it kind of rejuvenated the NBA. What you don't hear about is all the off-the-court stuff that um, the whole team was involved in, the drugs. Uh, the NBA in the 70s had a lot of uh, drug problems with cocaine. Very big thing. Uh, David Robinson, uh, the Denver uh, guard back in the 70s, had a big cocaine problem. One of the reasons why he didn't have a long tenure in the NBA. But just to uh, bring up, the NBA does have a long history of dark and um Things they kind of just swept on the rug and dismissed. Yeah, like uh, going off what Chris said, I think the NBA should have had every responsibility to um, deal with Donald Sterling. And like, think about this: like, if the if the script was flipped, had Donald Sterling been a player, he would have been reprimanded like instantly. But since because he held that role of an owner, it was almost as if he was higher than the constitution of the NBA. Um. Yeah, the the NBA like should have full responsibility, not only because like this is like it wasn't like once this was one time like one slip up, he was consistently day in day out going into court, like making people mad. He just like it just shows like what kind of person he was, because um like he was just doing bad stuff all the time and. I think there was even, like, a quote in the podcast that said, like, he woke up every morning with a phone call to his lawyer. lawyer, Yeah, Yeah, like, that's just not something that a normal person would do. And, like, it almost seemed as he fed off, like, dispute and making people mad. And, like, I think when they were negotiating a deal with buying the Staples Center, he kept – they would settle on a deal and he would back out. And then they would settle another deal and he would back out. And it just – goes to show that he's an unreliable person and obviously in no position to be uh, owning an NBA team. Christian, do you? I mean, when he was, when he owned his own, like, that that whole sanctuary part where he had bought all of those houses and stuff, 
and they had to make a lawsuit. The Cal- California had to make a lawsuit because he was he was doing bad things with minorities. Like he wouldn't let people buy houses because they were black, or he wouldn't let he would uh, make the staff go in and search the house to make sure like everything was going good because he didn't think they were actually living in the house, like doing it how they were supposed to do it. And I think just going off of that, the NBA should have like kept an eye on him and like they should have enforced more rules because it would have it would have kept him from being able to have so much power later in like him owning the Clippers. Yeah. Um just another thing I would have to say about that, like what specific I was gonna comment on like what specific action I think the NBA should have taken. I think as soon as they figured out that he was uh, in, involved with this housing discrimination case, they should have immediately like suspended him from the league. Therefore, because like, how do you suspend an owner? But just, just like, tell him he can't go to a game. He can't. I'm, I'm saying like, like ban him from all basketball operations network. within like trades, negotiating contracts, yeah. going to games, uh, I mean, profiting. Like uh, even when he was. Uh, but if he owns a team, how do you stop him from profiting? Uh, I'm saying like, like d- just move move the funds like somewhere else basically because like Where? this is what happens um, when he got when he got banned from the league like he technically still on the team right so he's still making money right. there's there's other people that the money could be distributed to maybe even back to the players or something like that Doc Rivers but, but I mean but since it's his he owns it you can't like just take his money and right money if he I owns I mean it. I agree with that but I'm just saying like so like there's got to be ways to. Reprimand the people that do these actions that are just, like, obviously not just. Obviously, the things he said are not just. These housing discrimination things, like, it's all just a bunch of wash and stuff like that. So, um, does anybody else have any more comment? Any more comments about that? So, um, now we're going to move on to our hot take of the day. Uh, this is basically just going to be a question that we think of on the floor. Or, consider on the fly and uh, our thoughts about that. So our first question is, is Shelly a good person? And uh, should she have been banned no. like Donald? Bentley, you say no. Why? I, mean, I think she's like a uh, undercover snake here. I mean, at any time she could have switched up on the reporters and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's going to protect herself because that's what people do. And so, but, I mean, she's always been associated with Donald. And if she's if she's put up with this kind of stuff for so long, it means that it probably doesn't really bother her. I'm sure she has a good side, but she's here to make money, just like Donald. And I think that uh, um, maybe I don't maybe not ban, but I think she should have had some sort of like thing that hey, if anything like this happens with you, or if you start showing signs of being like that, I mean you're out. Um, I think um, that Shelly has, uh, in terms of, I wouldn't call her a good person per se. I think that she's done good things. Does, but at the same time, like, um, just just t- definitely, like, taking the team from Donald is, is in general, just not, like, a respectful thing to money. Right. And on top of that, she won so much money. So much. It was, it was, she sold the team for, like, $2 billion. And um, it's and that all went to her because she uh, she took the team from Donald. So I don't I would I wouldn't call those things. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call taking something from someone else 
how we uh, put those to good qualities to a person. And then she on made top her of that, go to take tests to see if he was crazy. Right, yeah, was was like hired doctors and everything. And right. they sold the information. I mean, and then my, on, on top of oh. that, um, I don't. I can't really think of anything that like. Oh wow, that's that's such a good thing that Shelly's done. She's always she's always been with Donald. She knew about the white party. She knew about the properties. She she helped them out. Uh, Ramona talked about how she came in as a um, as an inspector and in, in a um, to a tenant and started making up lies. So she's never actually done anything good per se. But she's because she hasn't done things like Donald. She's the relative good in this situation. Yeah, I uh, I agree that she's never really done anything outstandingly good but what I do think is that given the situation she had and the situation she was put in because of the actions of her husband I think she did the best she could um I I think that like there could have been different ways she could have dealt with things like there's no reason for her to be walking in people's houses or anything but I just think that overall she was more of a she did more neutral to worse things than she did good. Okay, we're gonna move on to the next question, which is small or large the NBA has a race problem. How would you address issues of race in the NBA, Christian? Um, well, being a black person myself, I'd say, you know, race problems like if you're gonna have interracial teams and like black and white owners or black and white coaches, then there shouldn't be this, like, thing where people are like, oh, he's racist, kick him off the team. It shouldn't, it just shouldn't happen, period. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. Like, I don't, I don't understand how someone can own a team and be like that, but at the same time, I think it's more of a power thing. Like, he wanted, he wanted to say that he held this type of power over these people and that he was able to, like, feed them and give them homes and stuff time of that yeah like, he said slave in there mentality. That, he said in there that they were his property yeah and stuff. like he fed them and that he was the one that gave them cars and houses and shelter and stuff like that like it, sh- it just shouldn't happen but i guess like a person like donald sterling is going to say that because he's power hungry and he wants he wants to feel like he's owning more than just like something that's making money he's owning the people and the things that are contributing mm-hmm. to that right. so like i'd say Addressing it is more, like, it. well, it's kind of hard to address because it shouldn't happen, but at the same time, like, it, sh- he, it Silver took the right, like, initiative banning him right. as a thing, like, because the NBA is interracial, like, it's not going to change, but... Mm-hmm. It's it, it, we, it's just something that people, like, with that mindset, you just have to move on from. I mean, it's, you have to realize that America has immigrants, America has people of color, and people... It's, there's so many people that live here, and you just have to move on and realize that it's gonna be like it's it's gonna be normal. It's normal now. Yeah, it's supposed to be the land of the free. Yeah. Right. And like I think LeBron and a, bunch, a couple other players are saying that, yeah, there's no place for this in the NBA. Right. And so I think what Silver did was the correct action, which was kicking him out of the NBA. Yeah. Um, if it was me, I would definitely go to bounce off the should You shouldn't have a racist uh, owner in general. I think there should be a better. Um, standard like um i think i think um steve Ballmer is a good example of a good owner um just the energy that he brought that that was shown in episode five like 
And if, if you know him, like, if you've seen videos of him, this guy is crazy. He's crazy about his team. But he's also a good owner. He brought in, uh, this year alone, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, who are both African-American players. Not not to uh, bash or anything, but he's, he's a good, like, he's a really good owner. Um, and I think the NBA should definitely start off by hiring good people and to put them in high places before anything else. And uh, if I were to address this specifically, I would do exactly what uh, what uh, uh, Adam Silver did was take an investigation, talk to the players before anything else. Uh, because all in all, the players are the ones that are making the most money. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have these type of deals with TNT and uh, all these people if it wasn't for people like LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. So uh, I think I would definitely go to the players to address this issue. Yeah. So. I like what you said because we're going to have to move on. Uh, so let's take this outside of the context of these questions and just analyze it from like an expert point of view that uh, all of us here have been athletes. All of us here have been in a locker room. And like I remember in episode two, I think it was, uh, he was going into the locker room and like feeling his players, like feeling their muscles. And I know. As an athlete, (laughs) if that happened to me, that would just be like completely like unacceptable. Not only from a coach, but from an owner and someone who feels like like the the name owner is like like derogatory because like he doesn't he yeah he owns the team owns owns the the player he He owns owns the name the Clippers right but he feels like that name owner he owns the players therefore he's able to like do whatever he wants to them and like. If that happened to me, I just know like there would be there would be action to be taken. Yeah, and, like I mean, I'd, I'd be dang near throwing hands because yeah, that's just yeah. that's just weird. I've never had a coach walk by and like grab me and say, "Oh, look at this, look at this guy." Oh, yeah, these have muscles. So big, have yeah. dress like coming out the shower. Have yes, like naked. like that's just unacceptable. I, coaches are more respectable than that, and they just walk past or they say, you know, "Hey, good job today," and then they go on about their day, but they don't take the time to feel up on you and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, there was another interesting uh, thing in the podcast. So uh, he was actually sitting courtside yelling at the players that he was paying, saying, oh, I pay you this much money. You should be playing this well. Like, imagine if, like, our principal, Mr. Irvin, was, like, yelling on the sideline, like, you get to go to this school. You should be doing this and this and this for us. Like, that would just be absurd like that would never be accepted like does anyone agree or like i I completely agree like i couldn't it'd be crazy dog it'd be so weird to have your principal or like basically the owner tell you how much you get paid in front of all these people but just to play or to do the action that you're doing because you're getting paid by him Mm -hmm. yeah um so I i agree with that Bentley, do you have any uh, final comments to add about your experience as an athlete and like related to Donald Sterling? Uh, well, if I was an NBA player, I don't know if I'd be able to be on his team. I mean, after listening to this and after hearing all about it, and if I were to play, I just I wouldn't be able to do it. But you know, life's crazy, and some people just aren't good. All right, so this is going to conclude our Sterling Opinion podcast. Today we've covered many things from the uh, dramatic structure all the way to uh, race issues in the NBA. And I I think it just uh, goes to show how some people are 
corrupted by power and uh, how the Money. NBA sometimes can have uh, big problems on, the ha- on their hands, not only through sometimes players, but the owners as well. And uh, this issue is, is bigger than basketball. I think we can all agree that. But um, it's something that's been dealt with. And, yeah, so. Be dog out. Uh, we're going to head out. It's been a good time. I think the podcast is sex- successful. And um, we'll see you on the next one. Peace out.